When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies, nip that erection in the bud with a sexual temperance spoon. Guaranteed to soften the most optimistic ardor. School nurses have known for many centuries that a sharp blow from a cold spoon is the best way to tame an unwelcome erection. Now at last, these spoons are available to the public. If you finished with all that nonsense many years ago, but it still raises its ugly head, then this spoon's for you. Stop it before it starts. One whack and it's on the slack. It's the only spoon that stops staring. Only $24.99 from all good shops. Made in England from quality stainless steel. The sexual temperance spoon is kept nice and cold in its own miniature chilling cabinet. Measuring only 6 inches by 6 inches by 10 inches, the cabinet fits easily on any bedside table. Ready for any nocturnal emergency. Listen to these testimonials. Mrs. R. Barnsley. My hubby got ideas one night after watching Carry On Soldier. A quick flick with a temperance spoon sent him scampering to the spare room with his tail between his legs. Thanks, sexual temperance spoon. Hi, I'm Pat Davis. My husband would chase me around with wood, just like a little dog looking for a dinner bowl. <laughs> and I got so fed up with it, I almost left him. But then a friend told me about the temperance spoon, and I went out and bought a dozen. Now my husband sits in the garage for hours and he still pays all the bills. Thanks, Temperance Spoon. You're the best. Hey, and I used to snort Viagra and cocaine, so I constantly had chuck wood, you know what I'm saying? And I found that every woman that I went near was offended by my chuck wood. And I didn't know how to stop, nor did I want to stop doing drugs. And a friend told me about, hey, you want to get loaded and not get bloated down there? Try this out. Hey, Temperance Spoon, every time I get a woody, I knock it out, and that's a woody goodbye. Timber, said the lumberjack. Thanks, Temperance Spoon. Rocky needed you. Hey, everybody. This is Rod Steele, and I'll tell you, it's hard to keep a good man down. But with a Temperance Spoon, I could keep four, five, six, seven men down, and I don't even need to go to Broadway and wear no hat to do it. Thanks, Temperance Spoon. And it also takes hickeys off, if you know what I mean. It's the only spoon that stops stirring. Only $24.99 from All Good Shops, a Downboy Chastity product. Please note, extremely hard erections or longer erections may require more than one whack on the lid. If not, please see your local physician to stop the erection from getting bigger. Listening to the one and only Back to the 80s Radio. This is Toscano from Toscano and Chang, and we're here on another Friday. Thank you for taking the time to join us from around the world and making us the number one 80s show on earth. And now, with me as he is every single day, 
is a man that has been in more wrestling rings than The Rock, dressed as a queen. And that is the all-powerful Chang, the genie outside the bottle. Here's he, here's he, to all of my friends. Here's he, here's he, Toscano, my friend. <laughs> a joyous Friday. Hope it has been a Changtastic week for all of you little ghouls and goblins. But that's for a holiday coming soon, Toscano. Before we get started, I want to tell our good friends that this year for Halloween, Toscano is going to dress up like me. Yes. And I'm going to dry and dress up like Toscano. And we're going to see if we could fool our wives into leaving us both at the same time. <laughs> so when we make billions and billions of dollars with our radio show, when we are the new kings of terrestrial radio and serious radio, we will look back at that Halloween gleefully and say, ah, divorce really wasn't that expensive. <laughs> How are you all doing, everybody? Changi oh, Wangi here. Scotto, my favorite, my most favorite Italian since Chef Boyardee and the guy that created pizza. Somebody out there, uh, hit us on our Facebook, our Instagram. Uh, hit us on uh, our Patreon page and leave a little something for us and maybe give us the answer on who's the guy that I should love more than Toscano that created pizza. Exactly. Who would that guy be? I think that's a good deal. I also want to give uh, uh, you guys a shout out listening to us from the ends of the earth. That's right. From Spain, from right. Australia, Germany, um, from all over Europe, Central, South America, from Mexico, from Canada. I mean, all everywhere. States. Yeah. <laughs> from from the islands, from Aruba and from all those places where we get thumbs down. We still love you. We give you, you guys, the same thumb yes. you give us. That's right. Thumbs down, thumbs up. It doesn't matter. You're thumbing us. <laughs> I want to give a special shout out to all of our listeners that are in a correctional facility. No matter where you are at, you prisoners know we love you just the same. And this next song that we're going to do in 2025 from Johnny Cash will go out to you. I don't know if I'll be alive to see it spin, but it will. We also want to give a very big shout out to all of our individuals out there in the armed forces. We thank you for your bravery and your commitment to take care of us. We also want to give a special shout out to everybody in the law enforcement, in the medical field, first responders on handling the COVID epidemic. Thank you very much for listening and let's all stay healthy out there. Toscano. Are you ready to rock and roll on, on tonight's uh, show? Oh, It's going to be nostalgic because we're going to hit our listeners with a little bit of everything, are we not? We are, especially because we're going to be talking about some of the things that people who lived in the 80s will remember. Oh, but yes. before we go there, I say we take a little break. I say so. I need to refresh in my drink, and I think you need to... Uh, I think maybe you need to go put your chaps on, you know, the ones without uh, butt talks. Cause yes. It looks a little warm in the studio, and I don't want to see you perspire on your butt cheeks because when you get off your leather chair, it makes a little bit of an embarrassing noise. Well, so you, know how, you, yeah, you know how warm it gets in this studio. Oh, yes. I believe you sat me there with no pants on <laughs> as you and your sons mocked my uh, uh, girlish figure. I, re I recall. By the way, I do want to let you guys know yeah. that if you're listening to us on any podcast platform, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to hear the songs that we play during the breaks. But if you go ahead and go on over and click on the link on our Facebook 
page, which is back to the 80s radio page, you'll see the link to K-Hits 92.5. You click on the link, you'll be able to listen to the show every Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and you'll be able to hear us live and playing songs. I'm going to take us all out on something Mrs. Chang tells me when I'm writing into my diary. You're writing nothing but fictitious lies about yourself. Len, we are going to take you out to K-Hits 92.5 with something from Ozzy, Diary of a Madman. You are listening to K-Hits 92.5, and you have been banged by Toscano and Chang, where you can get your feel of 80s music right here at Back to the 80s. Don't you go nowhere. We're coming right back for your soul. Remember when we thought the, the, the 80s, 80s, 80s were lame? That's because we hadn't lived through this decade yet. You're listening to Back to the 80s. You're back with Back to the 80s. Toscano and Chang Chang here. Uh, we are coming back from a great song by Ozzy when he went on his solo band with uh, the greats of Randy Rhodes and uh, the great man behind the kit, Tommy Aldridge and... Uh, Ozzy was down and out. Black Sabbath had kicked him out of the band for his drug and his alcohol uh, usage. He was divorced. To find Randy Rhodes, bro, you, you, I know, are a great lover of guitar because you play and your son is a prodigy. But uh, how can you beat Randy Rhodes at 19, 20, 21, coming up with the epic music that he did uh, on the uh, albums for Ozzy? Uh, I don't know if some of our listeners know that uh, he had already been studying for a doctrine. God rest his soul, Randy Rhodes. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of that, and I've been lately looking at and finding out a bunch of uh, band members from the 80s from different music styles, right? Different genres, whether it be new wave or rock, specifically the rock. And it's for obvious reasons. But uh, I just found out, bro, and I didn't know this. You know, Stephen Percy from Rat has cancer, though he is performing still. And he's still sounding pretty good in spite of his health challenge, you know, and I I had no idea. And I really admire that. Um, I personally like Rat. Of course, you know, let's let's get real. Of course, we're talking about Rat when they started back in the 80s. Right. It's it's a whole different ballgame now. Uh, But he still has pretty good chops to be able to sing. But uh, my hats go off to Stephen Percy, to him and his family. Um, It's a difficult road that they have ahead of. And you know what, bro, bringing that up, that takes my mind back to Quiet Riot and the the devastation that band suffered, you know, I mean, with uh, Kevin Dubrow passing away from a drug uh, overdose, uh, Frankie Benali, uh, the drummer carrying on that band and going through several different members in that band to try to recapture that heart and soul that Quiet Riot did captivate us with. And then him, uh, you know, finally falling uh, to the cancer uh, disease. It's it, what you tell me about Stephen Pierce, it reminds me of that because uh, Frankie Benali did incl- it, it, it exactly have that fire and that passion to continue until he wasn't able to. And I got to give it up to Rudy Sarzo, uh, the former bass player of Quiet Riot, when they did uh, explode onto the scene, which I did get to see him at the US Festival in 83, when they came out with... Uh, their first uh, album. I don't know if you remember that one with Bang Your Head. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, and uh, uh, Frankie Benali, it, it, it's a testament to 80s rockers. You know, the fire and the power and the passion in those hearts of uh, we, the, the, the rockers of the 80s, that kind of catapult us to hard times. So, like you, my best to uh, Stephen Piercy, his family, and everybody that is a fan of Rat. Uh, you know, when it's his time, just like you know, it's always 
going to be time for one of us to go. When he goes, may his trip be a packed out house. And as soon as he gets to heaven, may he hit the stage with greats like Randy Rhodes and, you know, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix and uh, John Bonham. So our hearts and souls go out to, to Mr. Piercy. Yeah. I'm sorry that I had to hear of this news from you right here, but what better place to hear from it? Yeah, you Long know, live I w- rock and roll, my brother. Yeah, you know what? I was thinking that there may be a good idea for us to do a show dedicated to those that we have lost in the music industry from, uh, from I, the I agree, 80s. Yeah. It doesn't matter when the band was formed. It's just if it's a band that we heard throughout the 80s and they made an impression in the 80s and for some reason uh, members were lost, I think it'd be a good idea if we talked about that in our next show. You know what? I agree with you. I think that is a topic that we need to touch upon, and I think our listeners would probably get a smile and a tear. I mean, uh, such great bands like The Cars come to mind because The Cars did uh, originally start, I believe, in 76, 77, and uh, their first LP came out in 78, and then their hit, 79, but it was used, remember, moving in stereo, became epically huge. In the eighties, the Ridgemont High, of course, uh, movie, yeah, and uh, a lot of us, I'm sure you do too, bro. When you hear that song "Moving in Stereo" by the Cars, it takes you back to the eighties. It totally Not does. 1979, when the album was cut and that's, released. That's right. In the meantime, on this show, we've got a great program for you because we're going to be talking right about now. we're going to be talking about things only people who lived in the 1980s will remember. That's right. And I remember in the eighties when Blow was good. <laughs> yeah, you would. <laughs> Nostalgia for the 80s is so rampant now in, in 2021. Yes, Even people who weren't alive during that decade sometimes want to celebrate it. Even you uh, know younger audiences like the millennials and even younger than them, they'll go on 80s parties and 80s get-togethers. Yes. And now even 80s cruises, they'll put on the whole costume and everything. Now It's funny because the way we used to dress now is called a costume. But I take a fe- I take a fence. I, I, I do. Yeah, I do, too. You know what? But, Hold on, Toscano. Let me go take off my parachute pants right now. I do not <laughs> want to sit here comfortably and have people mock. They're mocking your good friend, your partner. Are you going to allow them? Never going to allow it. Me never going wearing to wearing assless parachute <laughs> pants as you sit with your assless chaps. I'm ups- I'm I'm appalled. Hold on. Give me two seconds to change the jeans, the tennis shoes and T-shirts. That's no. still a thing. Right. And uh, a lot of us still dress that way. Right, Chang? Anyway, that's <laughs> anyway. I resemble so, that comment. You resemble. You do you, resemble that comment. That's true. Yes, as a matter of fact, I am still wearing the Levi's that I bought in 1989, with all the original holes and the fading that I did myself, with sometimes being a little inebriated and throwing bleach into my Levi's when I really didn't need to do that. Yeah, isn't it? But I'm wearing. Yes, I'm wearing those Levi's right now, and the only reason I am doing it is because I took off my parachute pants because I took high offense to At them saying that we the were wearing costumes. Yeah. Yes, that's is, that son of a monkey. Who said that? Can you send me his name? <laughs> I want to write him a personal funny, note. Isn't it funny that, um, as a matter of fact, check out, I'm, wear, I'm, literally wearing, I'm literally wearing 80s clothes right now. Yes, I could tell that by the shirt on top. Yes. So I'm wearing the That's shirt, total 80. the the hat, the whole nine yards. And, and are you wearing your booty socks? I'm not wearing booty your socks. Your girls? No, no, oh, not no. girl socks today. No, barefoot? No. I'm, I'm barefoot today. Yeah. yeah. No, no, just barefoot. So Ooh, it's like interesting thing. It's interesting to me that they would call now style something that was invented way, way back. 
when yeah. we were younger, like the cut-up like, jeans. Just by you and me alone. Yeah, we invented this. The cut-up jeans right. and uh, the torn oh. jeans that. That's right. Sex you know, appeal on it. that today you have to pay an arm and a leg to get. Oh, uh, we used to just get, get a get pair of scissors and do it ourselves. Now, get this. My granddaughter hit me up uh, last weekend. As you know, I was back in Los Angeles and I was visiting my children and my grandchildren. And it was my granddaughter's uh, first high school dance. She's 15 years old. Angelina Avila, I'm going to give her a shout out. All of that. Papa loves you. Big shout out. And, uh, so uh, as I was there, I got there Friday, bro, and I was wearing – uh, some of my older Levi's. I don't know when the date on them, but they were older and they had their original holes in them with the white string showing. They were the my original Levi's, yes. the first right. ones now in 1900. Uh, I got there and I saw my grandkids. And I, I, I initially, like every grandpa or grandparent does, you flick them some money. My granddaughter initially took the 20 bucks that I gave her right then and there and said, Papa, I'll give you 20 bucks for those pants right now. Go in the bathroom and take them off. Those are badass. <laughs> and then I said, no, hey, wait a minute here. I'm not wearing any underwear. I'm, I'm not wearing any underwear because <laughs> Papa came commando because it was a long ride. But not only am I – I'm not going to pay – I'm not going to take my own money for my own pants. Third right. of all, how dare you use profanity in Papa's aura? <laughs> I never cuss. What but, the hell is wrong? By with the you? way, that was a that was a, you. she 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 was uh, she's a little hustler. It sounds like she was willing uh, to give you back your own twenty bucks, own money, yeah. So you'd keep your money, but she'd take your pants. You'd be left with no pants and twenty bucks. Well, actually, I would have been left with no pants as I stood there, but I did have several pairs of Levi's five hundred one. That's right, everybody, in my luggage. Howdy, what do you think of that, Toscano? How dare you mock me because I still wear five hundred ones? Sometimes I'll slip into a comfortable boot fit or a five hundred five, but that's as far as I go. Well, one of the things that was uh, hard to do in the eighties is keeping your valuables, and so they ended up. Coming up with something called a fanny pack. I had a couple of those. I had leather ones because I had to look metal. You had to look, yeah, that must have looked really, really uh, manly there. You know what? uh, Yeah, uh, somebody goes, hey, are you dating Rob Halford? And I said, no. (laughs) How dare you say that? And I'm going to go into my fanny pack and pull out a buck knife and throw it at you. Are you planning to go on a date with a docking front man? Oh, Don Dawkins? No, I never liked Don Dawkins as a vocalist. I really didn't like his band. I did really enjoy, and I do have a lot of praise for George Lynch, his guitar player. But that's another story for another show. Yeah. Now well, back to the fanny pack. Yeah. So when that's it came down, of, yeah. So when it came down to keeping one, your correct? valuable, no, I never. No, no, no. To me, it was embarrassing to look at. I think you're lying. No, but. <laughs> but fanny I packs. I seen one at your house just last weekend. The funny thing is fanny packs are still a thing. Of course, now you're either a cop or or something else because usually cops are the ones that are carrying fanny packs. You know, look at the yes, next person who's right got a fanny it. pack, and mostly they're men, and they're big, ginormous buff guys that are with these fanny packs. You know they have a gun in there. That's what they're doing. Well, you know, Rod Steele has shown up to the station and right. uh, done my hair many a times with a fanny pack, and I questioned Rod because I felt it rubbing against my neck. And I said, hey, could you take off your fanny pack? And he goes, that's not my fanny pack, Chag. It's my Chag. Want your fanny. (laughs) Good God. Another thing that another thing that only if you grew up and lived in the 80s, will you remember that premiering in 1981, offering 24 hours of nonstop videos. That's right. MTV and their lineup would often end up. You would end up waiting hours just to watch 
your favorite three-minute video of your favorite um, artist. And that's when MTV was actually music television. I Yes, I remember uh, I was not a big fan of MTV till Madonna came on and I found myself masturbating to Like a Virgin over and over again, just getting ready for a date with a Wana Madonna that I had later that evening. Right. Now, here, here's something. Why doesn't that surprise that, me? <laughs> Stop right there. You're taking me to another joke. Now, here's something that I'm sure you and me both agree upon that we survived and our listeners will. Synthesize pop music. I mean, Toscano, you're yeah. coming from a musical background. Now, did you not feel a little bit cheapened by the synthesized addition to music? I know when Van Halen came out with synthesized rock, I felt like I was kicked in the groin, dragged across the street. My Dracar Noir was taken away from me. And they just told me, Lord, <laughs> Dracar Noir. Oh, my gosh. That, now you Woo! took me back. Yeah. By the way, That's great right. cologne. Spice, I love that. Great oh. cologne. Great cologne. Chick, but no, I didn't bag. feel cheapened. I, at first, yeah, I felt like, eh, I don't know if I like this too much. Yeah. But then with the advent of new wave and and the hardcore new wave, you know, Duran Duran and Depeche Mode. And so oh, I don't know. I, music. Yeah. Well, I did end up liking it because, uh, once again, I am a lover of all 80s music, all yes, kinds of what, 80s music. Oh, yes. Hold on. Can I get your crown ready as you're claiming yes. yourself the king that of all correct. music? That Hold on. Correct. Let me turn around and go into the sacred cabinet. <laughs> I'm going into the sacred cabinet. Can you hear it? Yeah, I can hear it. Hold on. Oh, oh. I just dropped your... Your, uh, my crown? Emperor's, your, no, uh, the crown is in my hand right now. It's actually resting upon my jock. Oh, okay. I just dropped your, your Emperor's ring oh. that you'll have to show later, yes. You know, when you like to wave your hands, I personally enjoy all fashions and forms of music. <laughs> whoop de doop de doo now, Well, look, it's not my fault highness, that you don't. Your Highness. It's not my fault that you don't. <laughs> All right. My God. Man. We'll digress. That is for definitely for a different show. Now, synthesized music, we got to go back. It sucked. Okay. What's the next? No, oh, it did not. Stop. <laughs> you know what? A, hey, who, who I'm going to give you a mixtape of nothing but uh, Duran Duran there. During the 1980s, everyone had a nagging anxiety that nuclear war right. was imminent. And you remember that. 1983's The Day After. The movie, the day after, was depicting these scenes of nuclear uh, attacks oh, on yes. the United States and the United States hitting yeah. back. People really freaked out with this movie. And this is something that people today will never be able to identify. You know, the younger audiences will never be able to identify. They, they see a war movie and something with nuclear weapons in it, and it's like, eh. Yeah. It's, it is absolutely nothing. For us, it was terrifying yeah, yeah. because it was terrifying. there was a legitimate threat. Yes. That was looming on the horizon. So this All movie right. comes out. A lot of people even thought it was real. Do you remember this? Yes, I remember that. And one name comes to mind, uh, Ronald yeah, Reagan. I <laughs> but I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't remember asking for your opinion. Uh, your long hair smell like a, the bottom of a marijuana ashtray jackass. Toscano. Uh, are you Italian? Uh, get this buffoon off uh, mentioning my name. No, Toscano. 
Please continue. But uh, so, so uh, you know, the way we saw movies back then, it was something that only we can identify with. Right. So right. when today you hear, oh, that's some 80s cheesy movie or 80s yes. cheesy flick. Yeah, we understand it. But, you know, like I've told you guys so many times, these were the first of their kind for us. We had yes. never lived through anything, anything newer and exciting like this. So, and yeah. You- it was great. You know what I find uh, troubling and both uh, a little bit nostalgic in its own way? Uh, some of the movies that we did watch and we knew that we were possibly up against uh, a catastrophe as that. As we look back at some of these movies, speaking for myself and my children, and I did watch a couple of movies with them as they were growing up. Long John Silver's how, Adventures? How, how the, well, of course, the <laughs> reality and the fear of those actions taking place. You don't really realize until you watch that movie again and you've probably gotten through the years, like the topic tonight where we're at, to realize how close that scenario, that movie that we saw could have been if it actually would have happened. And it's sad because a lot of uh, the uh, viewers now that kind of believe it's a bunch of malarkey, you know what I mean? Our yeah. movies are yeah. are too fake. Oh, my God. They If they were to take uh, some time and study history and see – how close we as a, a a country, as a world, were coming to that catastrophe, it might make them enjoy that movie a little bit more. Yeah. What do you think? I, I, I agree, man. I totally agree. Another one of those things that only we that lived through the 80s have experienced was only wearing oh. neon fashion. And th- now yes. these, these fashion choices, of course, were not all over the United States, but no, they no, were all over. The, but <laughs> but all over the television. Yes. And yes. all over magazines, magazines like Vogue. Oh. The fashion of the color it started in Italy, by the way. The essential elements of the 80s look were created by the Memphis design movement led by Italian architect Ettore oh. Sozzas. They're the ones responsible. So basically, my people, the Italians, you know, we came up with the abstract designs and the colors, and that's what was introduced into the 80s. And that's why today, when you think of 80s, you think of all these neon things. But it wasn't always yes. like that. Not always. No, you. Uh, a name that uh, comes to mind as we're discussing is Andy Warhol. Remember the great artist Andy Warhol? Sure. A lot of his artwork was brought to face during the 80s, and I think that kind of changed the art world. And uh, I know a lot of bands did use a lot of his uh, artwork on albums. So I think the 80s kind of uh, brought out Andy Warhol. So a piece of me, when I think of back in the 80s and some of the things that we've uh, come through, uh, Andy Warhol is a big uh, fixture on that. Now, I've got a story right here. Let me see if you remember some of our listeners. It took place in 1987 when baby Jessica fell down a well hole. 18-month-old baby Jessica fell down a wall, and we were all captivated to our televisions. We were transfixed, transcended into how are they going to get her out of this? How is she still breathing? Is she hurt? Now, do you remember that? And I'm sh- I ask that to our listeners. If you have to, if, if you want to respond, hit us on our Facebook page, hit us on our show, social media pages, and let us know. Do you remember that incident? I remember it very well on CNN. Oh, absolutely! It happened October fourteenth, nineteen eighty-seven. She was That's only right, eighteen months old. And by the way, you know she's a grown woman now. She was very lucky to be alive, but this was one of those stories that really captivated audiences all over the United States and all over the world for that matter. 
as we right. saw live when it was occurring on CNN, like if it was uh, something, uh, you know, out of out of a movie. And we saw this. Right. We saw the rescue workers who worked for 58 hours to free yes. baby Jessica from this well. And then, yes. you know, by the way, it she underwent 15 surgeries for the next few years. Did you know that? Uh, you know what? I was aware of surgeries, not exactly the number. And talking about uh, endless uh, holes of black emptiness, Ronald Reagan claimed everybody <laughs> in America become a godmother or godfather to baby Jessica as she sat in the well. Oh, now, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You may have to edit that. You like? No, I'm going to leave that in there. Rolled right in. I'm going to leave that in there. That was good. Baby Jessica. Yeah, I remember her, and she's alive and well today. Okay, I got another story. You ready for this one? I Uh, think uh, I am. As we just finished up that 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 story that captivated us all, uh, a poor innocent baby gets trapped in an empty, bottomless pit hole of fear. Who remembers the drug campaign? Started by First Lady Nancy Reagan, as we're talking about black holes of emptiness. <laughs> Who remembers the cliche, just say no? Uh, I was in high school during this, and I remember having to write essays on what drugs can do to you. I remember having to put ribbons on our fence. And hey, Jay, Jay, well, as you were doing the homework preparing for that, were you actually loaded. taking drugs? <laughs> I was already on drugs just to be in art class to make sure that my bowl looked better than everybody else's. Exactly. Bowl. That's what I, you know, I, that, yeah, that meant that fits. And you know what? Every time I had to recite anything uh, the uh, crooked Reagans had to say was no on drugs, I always made sure that my feet, my eyes, and my fingers were crossed because I could lie and say, I'm not doing drugs, just like they lied and said they had no idea the drugs were getting here. That's all I'm going to say. Such a hater. Such a hater. Such a hater. And that was the say no to drugs campaign, right? Yes, yes. It was a yeah, it was a cliche. Yeah, so I'm in ele- right I now. was in elementary school when that whole thing happened and and So uh, you were in different strokes mode. Now different strokes, remember we survived different strokes back in the 80s. Remember oh, one of my fa- Oh, I used to what love you talking my about? show. I lo- I used to love about, my Luis? show of different strokes. Uh, which by the way, today that show wouldn't fly, you know. Uh, two black brothers uh, being adopted by this older Older, wealthy, conservative white man. That wouldn't fly today, I think, for some reason. No, I think in today's version, one of those brothers would be tapping the ass of the white sister because they're not really brother and sister. But that's (laughs) that's 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 another show. (laughs) In 1984. okay, in 1984, it's been called the greatest commercial in Super Bowl history. Today we celebrate the first glorious anniversary of the information A garden of pure ideology, where each worker may bloom, secure from the pests of a computer will introduce Macintosh and you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984 when it first aired 
Most people had no clue that it what you know what it was trying to do. They didn't know this was actually a commercial for the new Macintosh computer. Oh, it basically treated yes, viewers yes, to uh, yeah, it was sort of like a dystopian nightmare in which a Big Brother lecture was interrupted by a woman in a bright red shorts hurling a mallet towards the screen and causing an explosion. Mm. Yeah, I mean the commercial was bizarre to say the least. Speaking right. of bizarre. <laughs> Do you remember speaking that show? Bizarre, I got remember a story that show about bizarre? Michael Jackson coming up. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of bizarre, you remember that show called Bizarre back in the eighties? Oh, I remember that show. Bizarre. Didn't uh, that Super was... Dave Osborne come out in Bizarre? Yes, uh, Super Dave Osborne, and you know, sadly, we lost Super Dave. I think a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was uh, he was a pretty funny guy uh, on the Improv. Yeah, always uh, Super Dave. You know who would have played a great Super Dave? Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Yes, I agree. You know. Now, do you remember in 1983, talking about Bizarre, Michael Jackson did the moonwalk for the very first of time. Of course. Singing Billie Jean on the Motown television special. You know. Who can forget, know, every, man? By the looks of me, everybody, uh, you're all metal. You're only one-sided. Woo-hoo-hoo. Boo-hoo-hoo. That's Go cry me a river. No, it's not, you fools. All of you are fools. I am a big fan of Motown, and you should know this. No, he's not. By... <laughs> By all the lies and things that I put on Chanksters Gangsters, if you want to join Chanksters Gangsters, hit me on Facebook. It's a musical page. I like how I you did everything. that. I like how you did that. <laughs> hey, by the way, if you want to join my page, because this one sucks, go listen to some real music at ChanksersGangsters.com. Right. <laughs> Where everything I play rocks. Hey, talking about Michael Jackson, you remember in 83 when he did the moonwalk. I do. Now, greatest dance I've ever seen at that point where, in my life. Where were you when you watched him do this on TV? That's what I'm asking. I was watching MTV. I was watching MTV, and I'll never forget that moment. Yeah. It was our very first time with cable. We had, if I'm not mistaken, we had a 13-inch or 15-inch color TV, no remote control. So my mom decided, you know what, let's get cable. We'll have a remote control and everything. And so they put on our cable box. I'll never forget, we had HBO for the very first time in Showtime. Saw my first pair of uh, boobies on uh, on Showtime with a, with a movie called Cat People. Oh. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'll tell you Cat a story about, about my meeting uh, Nastasia Kinski later. I, that's where I saw Michael Jackson do his moonwalk for the very first time. And I was literally, every kid my age believed deep down in their in our hearts that we were possessed by Michael Jackson's spirit because I made my dad buy me penny loafers, put some mm. pennies in there, and I yeah. practiced the moonwalk everywhere I could. And and I took I take you for a penny loaf wearer before Michael Jackson. <laughs> I believe you never slipping on your, never I, I, I I always envision you slipping on your penny loafers when you left the tennis court <laughs> and you just put your Reeboks in your bag with your tennis racket and uh, you slipped on maybe your lemon-colored members-only jacket uh, because it was getting a little brisk at the <laughs> court. Never. Now, You're talking to an ex-Boy Scout. You're talking to a soccer player who did cycling on the side and had a 424 batting average. How you like that? Wow. Yeah. That is now, I'm picturing a cowboy-looking athlete, maybe like a Mike Schmidt baseball player, uh, muscular build, still wearing penny loafers like you just left the tennis no. court. Picture picture uh, Poncherello wearing wearing penny loafers and playing baseball. Yeah, oh, like that. So I, pic I picture a gay 
Puerto Rican. Oh, wait, not even uh, Poncherello. No, no, no. <laughs> Picture oh, Ralph oh. Macchio. Picture oh, no, Ralph let's, Macchio. No, yeah. let, let's go. Let's go. Let's back go back to, to Poncherello. <laughs> don't, don't, don't bring that other guy up. That that other guy scares me. Come on, bro. Now I'm sure you were at the same age, so you can you you can probably uh, uh, align yourself. Remember when Smurfs came out? Well, I don't in remember the when early they, '80s. I don't remember when they came out, but I did. I used to watch the Smurfs cartoon a lot. Yeah. Now, do you remember the voice of Neil Patrick Harris being in that cartoon? No. That was one of his first acts. I had credits. no idea. Who was he? Nice. Smurfette? Uh, I don't know, and I really don't care because I didn't watch, but I thought I thought that would be some great nostalgic news oh, stop. for you and our listeners. You probably pretended you were Papa Smurf getting it on with Smurfette. Oh, yeah, all of them. They were, I was like a, a Smurf pimp, and they were my bitches. <laughs> Oh, Big Daddy, what am I going to do? You're going to go give him the blue hole. Baby. In 1985, hole. before it gets X-rated, cartoon X-rated, and you make the poor <laughs> Smurfs look bad. Just, but in 1985, great. the most famous company on Earth reinvented their recipe in a mystery cola. What is it? I have no idea. Number two Pepsi-Cola says Coke is merely trying to match Pepsi's success. Coca-Cola is ready to launch a nationwide advertising blitz, and the company already has sent its bottlers a video pep rally in the War of the Colas. So let's let her rip. Let's land on the beaches and go all the way. It's a kick, it's a hit, it's a coke. James McManus, CBS News, Atlanta. Of course, the response was overwhelmingly negative. They wrote 40,000 people wrote letters to Coca-Cola demanding they bring back the original recipe. I hated that point of uh, time when Coke decided to change. It was like when Coke thought, well, we're taking this off and we're going to give you something new. That was like somebody saying, hey, don't snort Coke, snort crystal meth. You'll get the same high and you'll die from sucking. I mean, come on. What was Coke trying to pull over our eyes? Was it really that bad? Because I don't remember the taste of that. Oh, man, dude. It was it, it tasted like uh, hot Dr. Pepper with cough medicine. No. I, I, me, do you, would you say it tasted like Coke Zero today? I'd say it was like Coke Zero point eight point negative. Or yeah, like Tab. Remember Tab Cola? Yes, yes. Tab you know Cola what? was, was a, disgusting. It, it, it was a little bit stronger than Tab. It, you know what? Actually, it tasted like Tab with maybe a little bit of coffee in it. That's Ew. how bad it was. Yeah. Huh. It's just really crappy. You know, about a week ago. I went ago, to Pepsi after that. You know, about a week ago, I went to the supermarket, and I actually saw Coke come out with their new coffee Coke. Have you had this? I've heard of this. Okay. Well, if you I get a chance. Well, okay. Well, if you get a chance, there's different flavors, vanilla and that. I don't. I stay away from that. I got their deep roast coffee Coke. And it was good. I like serious. Yeah, you got to try Wait, it. But, but you're a coffee drinker. I, yes, I, I personally, I've never drank coffee. I've never had done any harder drugs than coffee. I've never smoked I drink tea. Oh, I don't drink coffee. I drink tea with the leaves of cannabis on the side, but I've never drank coffee. I enjoy a coffee. tea with a spritzer on the side. I enjoy my tea sweet like my lava. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't drink. <laughs> How'd the queen get in here? That raggedy old hag? Yeah. So I, I, I new Coke. I don't. I new Coke to me sucked, and it will forever suck. It, it's almost like uh, remember when Pepsi first came out with uh, what was the name of it? Pepsi Light, I think. Pepsi or what Free. Was it? 
with a silver can. Yeah, Pepsi a free. Blue in it. Pepsi free. Yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was it was a shittiest set. I'll, I'll go it's on the record. It's the one that Marty McFly asked for in in the in the Back to the right. Future movie. Uh, yeah. Give me give me a tab. Tab? I can't give you a tab unless you order something. All right, give me a Pepsi free. You want a Pepsi, pal? You're gonna pay for it. Yes, you're right. Now, did you like drinking tab? I would think no. so. More punny loafers. Oh, well, give me a break. <laughs> I loved regular Coca-Cola and regular Pepsi, and I also did the the other sodas. You know, Mountain Dew and uh, oh, what's, yeah, oh Cactus doozy, Cooler. Baby. I loved Cactus Cooler. Oh, that that stuff. I remember I worked in a liquor store in the 80s, and I used to have to, you know, stock that. And I would wonder, who are these morons buying this horrendous well, drink here called Cactus Cooler? Here's some, one of the morons. No, I would. Oh, sorry. And you know what? I would go. <laughs> I, I would go out of my way to pop holes in those cans just so they would stay out the shelves. Nice. There, I said it. I also liked uh, Jolt Cola, which was probably my favorite back then. Ah, yes, Jolt Cola. You know what, Jolt Cola. To me, was like uh, doing liquid cocaine. Pretty much. That's pretty much. But it was really good with ice. Yeah. But Joe Cola, if the ice melted too much on your Joe Cola, you kind of got that separation taste. Remember? Yes. You drank nothing but soda water on top, but all the good essence of that caffeine and was sugar at the were bottom. At the bottom, <laughs> and it was like drinking a shot of whiskey real quick. It was you bad. Know, you. You get to the bottom, you're like, oh, jeez, I'll drink all that shit because I need to run a marathon. Now, here's something. I'm sure you're going to remember. In the 80s, when we found out that Darth Vader was actually Luke Skywalker's father. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. That is, man, that drove Star Wars franchise fans through the roof. I mean, that was just a, a, one of those defining moments in yes. that saga that uh, just has been unparalleled. No matter what it, they try to do today to it make catapulted it catapulted yeah. the Star Wars legacy. Yeah. It's, uh, you know what, it, what? What comes to mind really quick. And that was uh, Empire Strikes watch, Back, by the way. Right. I used to watch Dallas because they were a bunch of hot chicks and I wanted to be a union. I, I wanted to be J.R. Union. Sure you did. You know, just like knock people Until out, got shot. killed, have a lot of money, and then some hot chick kill him. Uh, now, when Darth Vader came out and said, I am your father. Right. It was almost like who shot J.R.? Because remember – you had that same kind of an earthquake shock through everyone that enjoyed that show and loved those characters who really shot Jr. Right. When it was, remember, it was uh, Christian Crosby. Sure. She was hot. Good and God, I would let her shoot. The great thing about naked. The great thing. I'm trying to stick back on the the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi scene. You're talking about being naked um, with Christian. I remember Christian standing Crosby, in line to see Return of the Jedi. My cousin had taken me to Eagle Rock Plaza, and we were standing in line, and he was teaching me how to pick up on chicks. And so was this a cousin that you left drunk in your house when you and your dad no, went to no, the no. Italian mobster square? <laughs> no, that, that was my friend Mark, Mark from high school. <laughs> no, no, no. My cousin Ralph Rangel, a big shout-out to you, Ralph, who lives in Glendora. No, he was uh, teaching me how to pick up on girls. I'm 11 years old. And and we're about to see. I think this is like 1983, 
And we were about to see Return of the Jedi. And I'll never forget just the anticipation way of being in line. I had a box of Cracker Jacks in line before we even bought the tickets. And he bought some peanut brittle. See, that that's stuck to me all these years. I know even exactly what we were eating while in line and trying to pick up on chicks. Yes. Well, you know what? On that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking more about those things. And unless you grew up in the 80s, you have no idea how it felt. This is Back to the 80s Radio. Stick around. There's more to come. Welcome, Matey's fans. I have been expecting you. You no longer need to listen to any other podcast. You want the 80s, don't you? The longing for it is swelling in you now. Feel the memories coming to you and listen to Back to the 80s. Give in to nostalgia. With each passing moment, you make yourself more of an 80s fan. It is unavoidable. It is your destiny. You don't know the power of Back to the 80s. You, like your childhood, are now mine. Hey, if you listen to rock and roll radio in the 80s, then listen to this. Toscano and Chang, they will transport you back in time, back to the 80s. We are back here at the one and only Back to the 80s radio show, reminding you guys to take a moment out of your day and go to our Facebook fan page and look up Back to the 80s radio and... You know, become a member of our group. It's going to be great. Uh, you can find out all the stuff that we're doing here and also through the radio station, K-Hits 92.5. Maybe later we'll go on in and rant about that. But uh, in the meantime, some of the things that we went through in the 80s that people nowadays have no idea is the ultimate talking head, the introduction of Max Headroom. When oh. we saw him for the very first time on uh, MTV, I think I saw him for the very first time. Yes. I had yes. no idea what the heck that was or what they were trying to do. It was kind of scary. You just have like this uh, cartoonish face with like a weird, slick, blonde hair back, and he stuttered. You didn't yeah. know what to think. It was like, whoa, wait a minute here. I didn't do enough drugs to try to enjoy this crap. What are you doing? Yeah, and Max Hedrum was, uh, you know, the actor Matt Frewer. And uh, take, a yes. little, take a listen. This is uh, Max Hedrum. This is... Max Hedrum. And what you're about to witness is one of the most sinister-sounding intros to a trailer to one of the greatest epics ever produced in the history of television. And there's more. Because you are going to see it as well. Yes, it. Yes, it. Yes. Namely, the Max Hedrum story. (sighs) And afterwards, that is directly following, I want to talk to you about something even bigger. Namely, Max Hedrum. So! Sit back. Relax and enjoy. So speaking of Watch Max Hedrum, is this a, a character that gave you the creeps or did you did you end up liking it? Because they came up with a with the actual Max Hedrum TV show after that. Do you remember? Yeah. They yeah. even put him out on video cassette. So he yeah. became really, really popular. This was a character that I thought was uh, 
uh, I don't know, maybe the mindset I was in at the time. I thought it was kind of ridiculous, kind of passe. I was over and done with it after maybe just the first several times I had seen it. Uh, once they had made a show for it, I thought, man, this is a really stupid concept. Who is who is who is creating shows like this? But I was already over and done with Max Hedrum. Uh, I was intrigued, like I say, at first couple of first times I seen him. After that, it was a bore to me. I always wondered why they dressed him up like Men in Black. <laughs> uh, yeah, that or maybe a, he looked like uh, David Bowie when David Bowie decided to go straight. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Now. I've got one for you, uh, my brothers and sisters and my fellow brother, Toscano. For one day in 1986, 6.5 million people held hands to recognize hunger and homelessness, creating the human chain across these beautiful United States. I remember I took part in this, uh, and you know where I run. Uh, I kind of get a hippie-ish kind of tone, a little melancholy on my belief in unity. The only way to prosperity is unity. I remember doing this, and uh, all I can say now is, where is that spirit? Where is that feeling? Where is that care and that compassion? Where is that force to be as one to conquer anything? All we will do now is turn at each other and flip a finger with those same hands. Now you're talking about hands. About you're talking about hands, hands across, across America. America. Yes, uh, May twenty fifth, nineteen eighty six, and you were one of the six point five million people that held hands. Yes, I did. They held hands for 15 minutes around the country. Yes. Uh, yes. I don't, I remember this on TV. <laughs> I lived in Santa Fe Springs and uh, nobody was doing it in the Santa Fe Springs. <laughs> wow. That just, yeah, you see, because they're too, too busy uh, 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 shaking their Krylon spray cans or uh, loading their weapons to kill each other from barrio <laughs> over barrio. And you know me, brother. I'm a, uh, some of my buddies call me the hippie cholo. Uh, they call me all kinds of stupid things because, you know, one point I could turn brutally ruthless, but I truly believe in unity. And I wish to God that we had uh, some type of a, a event like this to unify us again because I think in this day and time, nobody joins hands. They just flip each other off. That's true. And, you know, we just got through another uh, anniversary of 9-11, and I still did not see or feel the magnitude of unity through that anniversary whatsoever at all and i blame our political system to this day for that i agree and, uh, man. hands across america something that we truly do need and anybody that participated don't forget who you are you shared in something special you passed on a vibe that should now today be alive and relevant you know it's unfortunate but i think that whether you're tolerant or intolerant of any ideologies Today, these two groups, the tolerant and the intolerant, it's going to be almost impossible to have them join hands. The making of an art form in the 1980s was huge for all of us. I'll tell you what this art form was. It wasn't like a Spotify or Apple playlist of today, which you can add unlimited number of songs and, you know, throw together with just a few keystrokes and a few mouse clicks Rather, our 80s mixtape meant working with cassettes and we actually got to write down what we wanted. Hard work to make a mixtape, a real good one, a real good one, right? Where you had to wait sometimes on the radio for hours or days sometimes to hear your favorite song or that song that you really wanted to add to that mixtape. And what's more, you had to actually own physical copies sometimes of the music that you wanted to include if they didn't right. play it on the radio. But these mixtapes were wonderful because they meant a lot to us. 
it was a product of our creativity. And sometimes we created a mixtape for a good friend. Or we traded mixtapes. And sometimes even a mixtape we would give to that to that special girl or you, as a girl to that special guy. Yes. And I remember, you know, you choose that, the special songs that mean a lot to you and you you write on this tape and you put it in the box and, you know, with your best handwriting. Yes. And this thing took the shape of your creativity, of your artistic thoughts and your soul basically went into making a mixtape. And some people think, man, that's a little exaggerated, isn't it? No, it really took a lot uh, from us to make a mixtape and then to share it with people. Yeah, a mixtape, brother, was kind of like our own personal radio station, kind of a, a, a word and a sound to our feelings, whether they were positive or negative. You, wasn't that the essence of a mixtape to you? You know, that's we, what you try to capture. That's that, exactly that what we did. We, we, we designed it. We crafted yes. it. Today, you look at a picture of, of something that says mixtape and you kids just see a piece of plastic there. Yes. That went in a machine that their parents or their grandparents played or whatever. Yes. yes. They have no idea what it took to to make and, and to put those memories on the on that tape because it was a lot more than that piece of plastic. Yes, it was. And I'm really exactly. passionate. This is a uh, this is one thing that I'm really passionate about because I mean, you know, Chang, music is one of those universal languages that can, mm -hmm. if allowed, can change the world. I agree, one hundred percent. So our heart and soul went poured out into this piece of plastic onto this tape. We just we we made copies of it and we just shared them. Mm -hmm. And we played them and played them and played them. And we didn't have the greatest of tape players back then. So we got no, we everything. Didn't. We got the bad sounds. We got the hiss yes. sometimes. Yes. We got the, sometimes we needed to stick a pencil in it because it yeah. it got tangled up. Uh, sometimes if the tape player was bad, it would unwind it. We'd have to take it out. Yes. We, and we were careful because we didn't want to ruin that mixtape. You remember sometimes you could even capture the sound on your tape of you pressing stop. Yes. Because it was so abruptly and loud. Yes. And you would be like, oh. Now I recall my one of my very first. Mixes. That's when you press pause when right. it was recording. You press pause because if you press stop, you could hear that click. You can just hear that click. Now my first tape, my first uh, mixtape, went out to a a, a a girl that had my heart. I mean, she was a brunette. She was voluptuous. Her lips were like kissing a cloud. Jane Fonda. I mean, she was. Oh, I wish, I wish, <laughs> but no, I didn't have that much money. I wasn't into <laughs> porn. I was very young then, and. Uh, I remember her name was Kareen Perez, and I fell headed over heels over this girl. Uh, she was my first, and I don't need to go into description. Huh. Of, and I just really fell in love with her. And when she broke my heart, I sent her a mixtape, and, and several songs consisted of uh, Led Zeppelin going to California, Love's a Bitch by <laughs> Quiet Riot, yeah. Love Stinks by Jay Giles, yeah. The Bitch is Back <laughs> by Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> wow, somebody and, was uh, bitter. Oh, very bitter. But uh, I remember when I made that mixtape, I I put every song that I could think of back in my little head back then that was anti-love to explain how much she devastated my heart and uh, my blue balls that would be coming now <laughs> because they would not be getting relieved anymore. Right. How, how she felt my passion, my love, and my anger in my mixtape. As a matter of fact, now that we have embarked on K-Hits 92.5, where you can get the best 80s music all the time, tune in any day of the week, anytime, and listen to one of our great jocks. But I am going to say when you crank on Bang with the Chang, that is going to be my mixtape. 
for my listeners. Excellent. You listeners, remember, you are the Changsters gangsters. There you go. There you go. How was that promo? Excellent. <laughs> uh, one of those other things that also we live through and people today have no idea is calling someone to ask them out. We actually so called people. We actually called girls right. and then the girls would call the guys or they would get phone calls from guys. And we would check this out. We would actually talk to them with our own voice rather than letting our fingers do the texting. We would actually pick up the phone, mm-hmm. dial a number, hear it ring Wait for it ring. Sometimes you remember this. Sometimes they wouldn't pick up, but you'd still let it ring 20, yeah. 30 times. And then yeah. all of a sudden you'd hear somebody else pick up and yeah. they were frustrated that they had to pick up yeah. because on their yeah. end, when the phone's ringing, it didn't stop. It didn't go to voicemail. No, it kept, it kept going. ringing. It kept going. Yes. So they would answer sometimes frustrated. And then oh, if yes. the dad answered. Hang up right away. He'd either. Yeah. You'd, you'd either hang up or you'd wait and they'd finally go, you know what? Stop calling or. They'd go, you know what, hold on, and they'd finally put the daughter yeah. on the phone. See, yeah. I always waited for a female voice because I never wanted to hear that dad. Who is this? I'm going to pistol whip you and kill you. <laughs> you know, I didn't ever wanted to hear the dad that I became having four daughters. Right. Who is this? I'm going to cremate you and then beat the hell out of your father with your own hands. She's not here. <laughs> now, here's something I, I think you'll remember. Yeah. This was not on my mixtape. The Super Bowl shuffle by the Chicago Bears. Oh, holy moly, no. no. I, I hated the Chicago Bears in the 80s. I hated every NFL team besides the Los Angeles I, I hated that stupid song that Man. would actually get played on MTV. Yes, yes, I hated it. The only bear I ever had respect for or liked, well, actually two bears, Dick Butkus and Walter Sweet and his Peyton. Those are the only two. And I'll always be angry, changry with with uh, the the Bears that year when they gave it to William the fat ass fridge to score the only <laughs> touchdown that was by right the refrigerator to be Perry. given to Walter Payton. And I'll always think Mike Ditka to me will always be Mike Dick Ditka uh, <laughs> by giving it to the fattest one hit wonder slob of an idiot that could fit 500 hamburgers in wow. his mouth and not give the glory to the great Walter Payton. Wow. Who built that team around him in the 80s. That's a changry right there. Wow. Screw you, Chicago Bears. LA Rams forever. <laughs> How do you like that? Wow. Well, I can't That's follow heavy, huh? that. Well, uh, well, buying your heavy. first VCR was something that nobody oh, that. could identify with anymore. No. And I'm still, I got to tell you, I'm still nostalgic about this. And I went on eBay trying to buy a VCR. Oh, so yeah. The day that I went, this is a few weeks ago. Uh, but then I kind of stopped because I was going, what? $700 for a VCR? What the? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. my wife brings one from work because she's a teacher. She says, look, a parent donated one of these. And I'm excited. It, it turned on. I, I put the video cassette. It doesn't play. Oh. Man. What so did that, you do, dude? I, I, I kicked the living <laughs> crap out of it <laughs> and threw it away. You know, away. there's a rubber band in there that you could have probably fixed. Really? Well, now yeah. it's in a million pieces along with the <laughs> entire uh, heads there. Yes! But uh, but yes! VCRs were already being sold in the late 70s, of course. But mm-hmm. um, but in the 80s, when you bought a VCR, you know, you were buying the best of the best. And so that's an experience that not too many people can identify today. Yeah, you're right. 
Now, here I got another one. In the 1988 Olympics, I don't know if you recall the Olympics in, in the 80s. I don't know if you really I, watched them a lot. I did. Yeah, and I did. Now, do you remember the diving competition with Greg Louganis? Greg, Greg Louganis, when he hit his head. Yes, he hit his head. Yep. And uh, didn't you know, he like was, he, he blacked out and he like almost died from that? Yes, he did. And uh, I believe that uh, he had AIDS. Yes. So that went into a big old story in itself because they thought, oh, he, t- he tainted the water with his AIDS blood. Oh, that's right. You know what I mean? I, I His career was shortly uh, uh, over after that. But that was something that I recall that I thought was a, a catastrophe on so many parts uh, for the U.S., for himself, and for uh, just being – bombarded with hate over you know his ailment i and thought that by was the like, way wow. and greg luganis is still alive he's actually 61 yes, he 61 years old i bet you he looks great well i don't know i don't know i think he does <laughs> rod Steele would probably exactly. <laughs> he could swim in my pool of my eyes my eyes are like pools um, one of the things <laughs> that we were definitely introduced to a lot in the 80s and that was all the infomercials for the dying Ethiopian children. Do you remember that? Yes. They started all these types of charitable events and charitable uh, agencies to help out the Ethiopians. Um, yes. It was just heartbreaking to see. I remember as a kid when these would come on, I would go, oh, not again. And you would see the poor kids with the flies around their face. And you couldn't believe that this was happening in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, on that note, who could forget uh, rocking out with Live Aid? I could. Know, I and, could forget because I didn't go. <laughs> Man, I mean, how could you ever forget Live Aid? I don't care how old you were. I don't care if you were there, if you watched it on TV. Yeah, that was fantastic. Me, the greatest act of the entire day came from the late, great King of Queen, Freddie, Freddie Mercury. Mercury. Yep. Who knew he was battling AIDS and still went out there and gave probably one of the greatest rock and roll ass kicking performances, yeah. Performances as a lead singer. I think Freddie Mercury became, to me, he took the crown off of Alvis Presley and said, Sit down, fat boy on the toilet. I'm the new king. <laughs> Freddie Mercury is just a godsend hero in my eyes uh, to battle all the hoopla that he got for being gay, being uh, bisexual. And then having AIDS and having to hide it and then to come out with it and be so tattered and torn that he didn't want to admit it and to die the way he did. Right. And nobody gave him the props for dying with the AIDS virus until after. Shame on America. Shame on the world for shunning people with that disease. Of course. And us losing the people that we did to it. I agree, man. Especially a band like Queen, you know. Dude, a great um, band. That – Everything they touched, everything that they recorded became a hit. Every single song that yes. you would hear on their albums was a freaking amazing piece of work. It was yeah, art. And, and remember on that same show, it was uh, the uh, reunion of Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Remember yeah. that? And that was out without John Bonham. Correct. So that was also uh, very historic in the rock world where you had such two great iconic rock bands. Uh, come together for this benefit and the benefit raised a lot of money for the charity which was great but you had so many great artists on that uh, ticket and and the and the great thing about that is everybody put their heart their and passion soul, yeah. and their soul and the eagles were left at the door for one cause for brother. the bands that were there and right, for the right. uh from the independent artists that were there as well it was their greatest moment of all 
I think yes. that of their careers, it has been for the bands that performed and the artists that performed, it was the greatest performance and the performance that they will probably never forget. Yeah, I think everybody did a bang-up job. I, I watched that show from start to end. You know, there was bands in it that I really didn't care for, but you know what? I gave it to them because, hey, man, you're out there for charity. What better way to be human beings than to go out there and make a stand for people that can't stand up for themselves? This is the one and only Back to the 80s Radio. And now I want you to take a mental time machine. And unfortunately, if you're listening to us on one of the podcast platforms, you won't be able to hear it. But go to KHITS92.5 on our link through our Facebook page, Back to the 80s Radio. And here's the one and only Freddie Mercury with Queen and Radio Gaga at Live Aid. I'm Captain Loggins and you're on a cruise. You're listening to Back to the 80s. You are back with Back to the 80s. That was the late great, of course, the greatest singer of all time, Freddie Mercury with Queen from Live Aid, one of the greatest concerts of all time through all of mankind. Uh, this is Chang from Toscano and Chang. I want to ask you all, who remembers spending the morning at Pee Wee's Playhouse? Uh, <laughs> Do you remember that? Actually, I, okay. So here's the thing. I remember the program, but not because I watched it, because I thought it was dumb. I did so like. Did I. Now, I, I did like the movie, you know, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, the big top Pee Wee or whatever. I know you did, but what did I? But, <laughs> but I, I never watched the program because I thought it was a little bit too childish, a little bit too creepy, especially with a big. That's my Especially with a big chair chasing you. Um, yeah, no. I I do remember it, though. Good morning, Pee-wee. Morning, Mr. Breakfast. <laughs> Can I have some Mr. Teen cereal? Okay. Ah, <laughs> oh, pity the poor fool. Don't eat my cereal. <laughs> so do I. Uh, you know what I also yeah. remember? I also what? remember uh, Mullet Pee-wee being caught at the... Pussycat Theater. Oh, <laughs> he would. I think he needed the spoon. Back then. He needed the he needed the sexual temperance spoon. Yeah, he kind of looked like creepy rock and roll guy. I'm just trying to jerk off. What are you doing? Look at me. <laughs> I wonder if he pulled his pants and he goes, "I'm on a breakfast." Like 9-11, everyone who was alive in the 80s knows exactly where they were on January 28, 1986. That's right. It was on this day that the 10th flight of the space shuttle Challenger, which carried the five NASA astronauts and a civilian school teacher, exploded in just 73 seconds into flight, killing everybody on board. Um, I was in the sixth uh, I'm sorry, sixth or seventh, no, seventh grade, I think I was. And we were watching it in our science class and we had no idea what had happened. And when the teacher saw this, I'll never forget the teacher's expression. She covered her mouth in shock because she had she knew exactly what had happened. 
and uh, and, yes. and told us. But she was straightforward, and she told us. She didn't turn the TV off. She left it on, and we finished it. But we were just devastated mm-hmm. at uh, what we had just seen. I, I didn't know what to think. I mean, that, I, that was as shocking to me as hearing the news that John Lennon died because uh, I just couldn't believe that that occurred in front of all of our eyes. And, you know, the buildup that it had and, and you know, the happiness and, and excitement we all felt for those astronauts. You know, I mean, it was a first time thing in history. And then for it to go down there like that and then to think about, man, that could have been my parent, my uncle, my aunt, my brother, my sister, my teacher. It was like, uh, it was riveting. And I, I don't know, I can't speak for a lot of people, but I'll speak for myself. I lost a lot of respect for the space program. And I started thinking, we're throwing a lot of money into the space program just to send people up there like guinea pigs. Right. When we have so many things down here uh, on, the, uh, on Earth that we need to fix for the betterment of mankind. So it, it definitely tarnished my outlook on NASA, but definitely left an impression on me on truly feeling that uh, those people uh, were someone's family and how yeah. devastating that yeah. was to us as a country and to to us that, that uh, know what it's like to love in a family. I agree, man. You know, we're not going to have enough time to go into everything that we did in the 80s that, of course, uh, of course people today will have no idea. However, um, there is one thing before we end the show tonight that I did want to talk about. Because it was something that uh, when you were a an older teen, when you were a teen that was into girls, and then if you were a young man that oh, was into yeah. girls, of course, you'll never forget if you were a, a rock lover and if you were an MTV lover, you'll never forget that moment when you saw that video of Tawny Katane flying oh, on top man. of those Jaguars. Man. That was probably one of the greatest videos of all time. And I would yeah. I would drool just to watch that video. I would as a matter of fact, I would put record on my video cassettes and oh, just yeah. wait till that video came on because it was just uh, it was she was breathtaking. I mean, there was two chicks back in the eighties that I recall being a rocker dude that I was just like Boom, all the blood left my body and went to one area with Tawny Katane and the chick that was on the Warren. She's my cherry pie uh, video. That hot blonde married the lead singer. And I used to think that guy is hideous. He's hideous. And he's got that gorgeous woman. Sadly enough, you know, he did die, uh, I believe, in the 90s. I don't know if it was an overdose, but, you know, he lost uh, everything that he had. You know, he ended up... uh, Taking his own life. Well, you know, Tani Katane uh, was somebody who was in the scene, the rock scene, and she would go out with a lot of these rock stars and ended up marrying the main dude from White Snake. You know, yeah, and that that they had a very uh, what uh, uh, a very an abrupt divorce. She was highly toxic, and she also married uh, an Angels pitcher. Uh, back in the late, uh, I, I don't know if it was the late 80s, maybe the 90s, uh, Chuck Finley. And uh, he divorced her because she was, you know, she would try hitting him. She was hooked on drugs and alcohol and pills. So she had a very tumultuous life, I think, after that video. Uh, her sex appeal got her too much fame too fast. And then I guess living in that scenario, you know, where you're a sex idol, you're yeah. a sex goddess. Every, every, Testosterone-driven, long-haired individual or teen, and short-haired, and short-haired individual short-haired. teen as well. 
And then uh, we felt very sad when, uh, of course, when she passed away. But before that, when she just destroyed her face with all these plastic surgeries, oh, I, it, she was a different person. She looked like she got in a fight with a bees or a wasp nest. And I felt really bad for that. And I was like, man, where was Raid when you needed it, honey? <laughs> this is the one and only Back to the 80s Radio. Uh, we're going to have to leave this program till next week and we'll finish it up. I mean, we can literally talk for years about things oh, that we used no, to do in yeah. the 80s that uh, this generation will never know. But we can bring up as many stories, as many beings, bee stings as uh, she took in the face to have that. <laughs> I say we'll 486. We'll continue our talk about things that only people who lived in the 1980s will remember next week. In the meantime, I just ask that uh, you be safe, that you take care of one another, look after each other, be the best <laughs> human that you can. This is Toscano. God bless. What a way to end the show. My God. Mrs. Beasley would hate us. You guys all out there have a fantastic weekend. Remember, stay lifted and gifted. Remember to stand up for something bigger than yourself or stand up for somebody who can't stand up for themselves. So until next Friday, I want to wish you all an arigato. Adios. Arrivederci. Hasta mañana. Hasta la vista. Sayonara. And to all the homies in the barrio. Oh, le va todo.